Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome back to another Everything Horror Podcast. I, Crystal, will be your host tonight, along with Paul and Tessa. Hello! Hello! And we will be talking about The Void. So, I watched it twice. (laughs) Paul and Tessa watched it. They didn't like it. Not, not, no, no, no. I wouldn't say we didn't, we didn't. It's like 50-50. It's like a love-hate relationship. Yeah, it was a love-hate relationship. It was a 50-50 split. You know, there were certain things about it that we really liked, and then there were things about it where we were just kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get into that afterwards, so. (laughs) Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. Well, I'll kind of give you guys a little, the viewers, a little synopsis of the movie. Um, pretty much, uh, what the movie is about is that there's a group of people trapped in a hospital. There's a bunch of cultists outside. A bunch of creepy crawly monsters start showing up. It's really fucking weird. Uh, the main... I guess good guy is Daniel, which is the police officer. Begin the movie. Um, actually, before you see Daniel, you're at this farmhouse. You see a guy bust out to the doors, followed by a girl who gets shot and two other fellows. The guy, one guy escapes through a field while the poor girl that's shot gets lit on fire by the other two gentlemen. Brutal. That is how the movie starts. So, what did you guys think about that when y'all first saw that, like, when y'all saw the two guys chasing the, the guy and the girl out the house, the girl gets shot and gets put on fire? What did y'all think about that when that first happened? Well, first off, we actually had to rewound that part because I was making a post on Facebook, and the next thing I know, I hear, like, the gunfire shot, and I'm like... And post to Facebook that we're watching this, and I need to rewind this because somebody already just got shot. So what did I miss? <laughs> so we rewound it and then started watching it. And then um, you mentioned something about uh, the girl on fire. Yeah, um, I was like, I was like, holy shit, they're torching her. And I also noticed the 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 um symbol for the cult painted on the door too at the beginning yeah the the void symbol is painted on the door yeah the void symbol's painted on the door and i was like oh look they're already making a reference to it already um but i was like holy shit they torched her and then i was like i was like you better run buddy because they're coming for you and we have no idea, like, who, what, like, how them two had anything connected to the movie. So it's just, one dude's running for his life, and one girl got torched already. I'm just like, what the hell is happening? So I would, that, that kind of, like, was a wonderful way to start a film. Especially mm-hmm. when you have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, after that, oh, go ahead, Tessa. No, she was agreeing with you. No, I was agreeing with you. So after that, 
Daniel, which is the police officer, is doing his nightly patrols, which is just being lazy in his police cruiser. Sees the junkie guy crawling across the road. He thinks he's a drunk college kid. He goes and checks him out, finds out he's bleeding, puts him in his cruiser, and proceeds to head to the, the closest hospital. Which, when he goes on the dispatch, they tell him, you know, the closest hospital is, uh, I don't think they even gave the hospital name. I know they said Lakeview was the one that was 20 minutes away. The closest one was the one that had been caught in a, in a fire, but they still had people there that worked there until they shut it down. So that's the hospital he sends them to. So they get there, they bring them in, and it's just a skeleton crew, which is Bethany the nurse, Dr. Richard, uh, Allison, which is another nurse, uh, and then they had Maggie, her grandfather, which Maggie's pregnant, uh, Cliff, which is being taken care of by Kim, they're the only people left in this hospital because they're packing up to move locations. So they bring the junkie in. They get him into a, uh, into a room. And uh, you find you find out there's like this little bit of tension between Daniel and Allison. You really don't know what it is at first. But you can see there's tension there. And it starts freaking out. And they sedate him. They find out that he has like uh what's it called? Syringe marks, a meth head. You know, he's been shooting up drugs and all that. So Daniel goes to call it in. And this is after Kim was in the room with Cliff. Kim leaves out. Daniel goes to call it in. While Daniel's walking back, he hears um, some noise. So he goes into the hospital room that Cliff was in. You see Bethany, the nurse, with her back to him with a pair of scissors that she's pulling out of Cliff's eye. Yep. And Daniel's like, Bethany, you okay? What's going on? And she, as she turns around, she has peeled the skin off her face. And she's just like, this isn't me. This isn't my face. Can you help me? And she's still pulling skin off her face. And Daniel's trying to talk to her and tell her, hey, calm down. It's all right. Then she proceeds to come at him with the scissors, which then Dan pulls his gun and shoots her and kills him. So... What did you guys think about that when y'all saw... Because Bethany was fine at the beginning. When you first see Bethany, she's fine. She's fussing at Kim about doing files. And then the next time you see Bethany, she's got a pair of scissors in this guy's eyeball. So what did you guys think about that? Um. So, yeah, I noticed that, that she was normal at first before uh, she started pulling out uh, his... A guy's eye with the scissors, and then, like, before you even noticed she was, um, peeling her own skin off, and on top of saying, this isn't me doing this, 
and it is not my face, but um, we at first when when we kind of started noticing this change in the room, where we also had a, were thinking like that guy that um, the cop brought in had something to do with this at first. So we're like, oh great, what did this guy have? That's like making people that like go near him like go insane kind of deal. So, because, I mean, you know, everybody's fine. And then once he came in, and, like, once she went to go check on him or whatever, and then when Daniel came to check on her, like, you know, she's somebody completely different. But but then she's also, like, doing it to the guy who you would think is the cause of this. But so now that he's definitely dead, um... Or at least you think he is. Uh, you know, it's just kind of it's really interesting to see, like, what the hell is really going on? Like, she's saying it's not her, and it's not even her face and stuff. So it makes you think, like, okay, so what is this? Like, a, some type of possession or what? But I'll let Tessa uh, continue on what I'm trying to say. Well, like Paul says, we, we, um, when we saw, what's her name? Bethany. Bethany losing her shit and pulling the scissors out of poor Cliff's eye. Poor Cliff's eye. We, we thought that, um, the, the druggie that they brought in had something to do with it. Like he, um, like Paul said that he, like, um, transferred something or she like touched it like got infected somehow by like blood or whatever yeah and like went crazy and lost her shit we didn't know if it was like something that was transferred through blood airborne or what direct contact so we were sitting here trying to figure that out and then you know when um and Daniel shoots her. <laughs> and Daniel shoots her, and we're like, and when I saw her, when she turned around with her face peeled off, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, so then I kind of got to the idea when she noticed, too, I mean, when she said that it's not her doing it, and somebody else's face, then I started to think, like, okay, so clearly we have to be dealing with some type of possession, because she definitely has to be getting controlled somehow. Or something like the freaking Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Not a good movie. <clears throat> that is a good movie. I, I thought, I first thought like, you know, was it the crazies? The talented crazy people? That's what kind of mind me of, like the crazies. I was like, alright, well. I love the crazies. That was such a good movie. I do too. But, like, that's why I did think that, too. I thought, like, maybe the druggie had something to do with it because after, you know, Daniel said, oh, he bled on me. And then after he shoots Bethany, he goes to the bathroom and he starts, like, losing vision. He goes in and out of focus. Yep. And I'm think my first thought was, oh, shit, now he's got whatever she has because yeah. of the blood. Or the airborne or something, yeah. Or airborne, yeah. Some kind of So I was like, oh, fuck. So, uh... That's, then he passes out after that, wakes up, and 
poor old Mitchell shows up. And we'll find, we'll, I'll say why poor old Mitchell in, in a few minutes. Poor old Mitchell, the state trooper, shows up because he had called it in. Mitchell shows up, and he's pretty pissed off about the whole shit show, as he puts it. Makes Daniel give him his gun. And so, of course, you got still got poor Maggie, who's, like, having labor pains. And everyone's trying to, like, figure out what is going on. And Daniel asks Mitchell for him to call it in. Let me go call it in. Mitchell says fine. So Daniel goes to try to call it in. He can't get a hold of anyone on the radio or on the phone. So he wants to go to his police cruiser outside. So Daniel makes it outside, gets into his police cruiser, leaves the fucking door open on his car, which I was like, yeah, because that always works in horror movies. Just leave yourself vulnerable. <laughs> that always works. That's always a great idea. So you Just can't like, reach anyone on the radios. <laughs> yeah, no matter what, you find a freaking lamb to trip on. How do you find the biggest damn root to trip on every time? So he that's when he first sees the cultists. Which and he uh, clicks on his light. What is everybody's reaction to that? Like the cultist person. What was everybody's reaction to that anyways? Did anybody I was like, who the hell is that? I I didn't I was like, oh right, you know. I noticed the, the symbolism fuck is going on, on here. Mask, so I I knew that it was yeah, could you had something to do with it? Yeah, the door as well from the uh, beginning. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But oh, yeah. The, yeah. the thing was, why were they like all migrating to the hospital? That was my thing. Like, why did they show up at the hospital? Was it because the drunk, the the druggy dude there, or you know? I was just out. like, they just came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. So. Dan, being the big hero, tries to go up to him and get stabbed like a knife. Which, by the way, their daggers are pretty cool looking. Agreed. You actually got to look at them. Yeah. They're pretty cool looking daggers. Yeah, they are. So he gets stabbed and he fights off um, the cultist, makes it back into the hospital, bleeding, which, I don't know, that seemed like a pretty deep wound to me. So how he, like, was okay to move after that. He was losing a good bit of blood. Yeah, he got Maybe stabbed just in the me. chest or something, like somewhere around right. the uh, shoulder or chest or something, right? Missed his heart. Yeah. So it was up here. Yeah. Still, though. It was above his heart. It, it's, it's they were above... going for his heart, but they missed it. Right. But, I mean, okay, so it's like in between your shoulder blades or shoulders and like where you're pretty much above your heart. So, yeah. that's breastbone, pretty much. And she stabbed him, like, two or three times, too. So, and I mean, this, that, I'm going to, I'm just going to call it the ritual knife because that's what it looked like to me, in a, in a way, because of how. It did look like a ritual dagger. Yeah. And it would make sense, too, because it's pretty much ritual daggers would be used to carve out hearts and everything else for, like. You know, sacrifices and stuff. Say, so. Like sacrifices, like they, yeah. Yeah. Like organ donors. So, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Unwilling organ donors. Yeah. So, Dan gets away, leading, you know, gets back into the hospital. 
Everyone's freaking out because he's bleeding his chest. They finally get him stabilized. And that's when the two gentlemen that you saw at the beginning of the film show up looking for the drunk, the, the junkie. So, you know, of course, they come busting in, looking for him, saying, we came from him. They're talking about killing everybody else, torching the place, you know. And everyone's trying to talk and calm him down. Well, no one at one point before that, it goes to the dead body of Beth. And you see these things coming out of her mouth. Like, they're just flipping oh. and flopping around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're thinking, that. oh, yeah. fuck, here we go. The first <laughs> boogaboo is showing up. The first what? So, <laughs> boogaboo. Boogaboo. Yeah, even I understood that. <laughs> no, I, I was just, I figured that's what was said. I just wanted to hear it again. Yeah, you just wanted to hear it. <laughs> boogaboo. Boogaboo. The boogaboo. The boogaboo. <laughs> so what did you what did you guys think when you saw the little tentacle things flapping in her mouth? I'm trying to remember. I I was like, oh god, please. I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, oh god, please don't don't let these be like oversized, like. Giant cockroaches from like the mimic movies. Oh God, I'm no! Like, I'm like, oh God! Oh God! It would mean poor Crypto and, and then poor you too. And, and then I'm just like, that's all I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, please don't be like giant freaking cockroach creatures. Which I couldn't quite I think, tell what they were. I think they kind of were, but I'm not absolutely certain. I'm just like, oh God. Whoa. I, I, like, when I first saw it, I kind of was thinking, like, like, I don't know why, maybe because at the time I was into it too much, where I was just like, hey, look, it's almost like a face hugger trying to come out kind of deal, like, that's what I, like, you know, it's flapping its freaking thing, even though it should be dead, but, I mean, it's almost like it could, like, be like a throat buster. But yeah, it was quite different because once that showed up, it was just more like, okay, clearly we're not dealing with something being possessed. It's not being possessing now. Clearly, no. It's being dealt with whatever the fuck this thing is, which we don't really know yet what it is, but yeah, it's definitely one of those like, oh shit, now the real stuff is about to go, but yeah, they did take away our, um, uh, could it be projected? Uh, no. So the blood, or it wasn't. It wasn't airborne. It wasn't a blood pathogen. No, in this case, it so would definitely now whatever this thing is. We'll just call it an alien creature, for lack of a better word, right now. But yeah. So we see we see the little creepy crawly thing coming out of her mouth. I miss creepy. And then, crawlers. like I said, <laughs> all creepy crawlies. Anyway, <laughs> so so then you start hearing, you know, yelling and screaming for help. And then as they go down the hallway to see what is going on, Beth has turned into this grotesque monster creature. With the other with cop the, there. Uh, what's his name? Nick, did you say? Mitchell. 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 Mitchell okay. and Dan. Col- Col- yeah. Mitchell, I loved his reaction 
he just kind of just like looked out at the thing and just kind of just did one of those like, what the fuck am I seeing? Like it's almost like his mind just completely stopped just because he was trying to figure out what the hell he was staring at. I thought that was actually a really cool part. The way that the uh, guy did that, <laughs> portrayed that. Which, let's all, let's all admit it, we all, if we saw that, we'd all be like, what the fuck is going on? I'd have probably turned around and looked at the hospital. Y'all deal with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm finding a back door to this bitch, and I'm getting out of here. Because, oh. yeah, I'm definitely going out the front with the cultist. And I'm definitely not staying in here with this fucking thing that looks like something out of Mimic, so bye-bye. Well, yeah, yeah, but then later on, I know I'm kind of, like, talking, like, probably a little bit further in the movie. But, I mean, we do later on understand, though, that if we try to leave the place, the cultist people have the hospital surrounded. Like, if you try to go out there... <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, we'll we'll just leave it out as there because yeah, I'm definitely. You always go to the like medical storeroom and get like the rubbing alcohol bottles and get some rags and make some like homemade Molotov Torches. cocktail shit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very true. Go out with a. I find a way. Go out with a bang. Yeah, I would. That's what I would do. I would like go to the medical storeroom and get as much flammable shit as possible and rags and make Molotov cocktails and grab my shotgun and go. Well, they definitely do not like fire, but yeah. No, um, no they, they don't. But yes, what is what next after that? Because I because he yeah pretty much Mitchell is staring in days pretty much like an awe. And then Daniel is like the same kind of like having the same reaction, but he's a little bit more. Focus because he's definitely trying to help that person. Also, that is uh, handcuffed, the uh, druggie. I think that's the, yeah, the druggie. Who yeah, was handcuffed druggie. to the uh, hospital bed. Which I actually kind of thought would this would best need new look, I'm going to say. <laughs> which, that was pretty awesome. for And plus, that's practical effects, by the way. I mean, you'll learn to... That this movie was all practical effects. It was hardly any CGI. Which, if, which, if there was even was any. Really great. Yeah. I think the only CGI was at the very end, but we'll get to that uh, later. But yeah, all the monsters in this movie are all practical effects, which yeah. made me love this movie even more. Like, I adored that the time, and they put into all the practical effects of the monsters. Agreed. But, oh, so they get the junkie, they help them all, get them away from the bed, and I believe they're back in the hallway, and they're still kind of, like, fighting and arguing, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And poor Mitchell, the poor state trooper, who <laughs> came into this shit storm, is victim, what is it, victim number two now? No, victim number three. Because the girl, Bethany, and then him. Yep. So he gets um, attacked by uh, Monster Bethany in the which for a little while, they, they kind of stuns him, and it takes a minute to go out and help him. But as they go around that corner, they see the horror that is actually happening to Mitchell. Like, the Bethany monster has him face-to-face with her, 
and is shooting her tentacles into his eyes, into his mouth. Pretty much just rape-facing rape, rape or face-raping him. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Face-raping him. Yeah, it's like, so, it's like, come here, it's like, get over here, I'm gonna fuck your face with my tentacles. Give me some sugar, baby. Yeah, it's like, oh, God. It's like, oh, I was like, ugh. Oh, uh, no. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> gnarly. It was pretty fucking brutal. It was pretty fucking brutal and gnarly, and I was just like, holy fucking shit. I thought it was beautiful, but anyway. Um, <laughs> of course you can say that, babe. What? The, it, the, the gore was great. Yes. The gore was great. Yes, it was great. For practical effect, that was great. Mm-hmm. It was, excuse me, it was really good. Like, what did you think was coming out of her? Like, as she was putting her tentacles into his, his orifices, his eyes and all that. I'm going to... As they're trying to shoot at her, and you see that thing <laughs> yeah, breaking her back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like do another reference here, but I was kind of getting like the whole like like aliens like face hugger vibe from this thing. Like, oh god, is it is is it like like injecting it with something or impregnating him with something? I'm like, oh god, it's probably gonna be another one of those monsters, and it's gonna come like ripping out of them. You know, so we're kind of close. <laughs> which that's what it reminded me of. Honestly, I was just like, "Oh gosh." Which we were See, that's what I thought too. Like, it, well, it's like trying to put something in him to grow. Yeah. Into something else. Yeah, exactly. And kind it, of like what happened with Bethany. Yeah. Yeah, and it was stopped. It, it got stopped. Yeah, because... But I'm just trying to figure out what that thing was that was coming out of her back was. Like, at the very... Before the killer, her back breaks open, and this pink creature-looking thing starts coming out. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, too. We think it's, like, a weak point. Yeah, we were thinking it was some type of weak point, because, like, when you notice, um... What's his face? The meal kid. The kid, yeah. Um, had the axe and was, like, trying to distract, uh, we'll just say the monster, of the Bessany monster, we'll just say. Um, you kind of notice, like, when he's struggling to keep that fire axe, that's when the thing is starting to pop out. Kind of like, I don't know if it was going to try to, like, knock him or what, but before we could even figure that out, that's when, um, uh... What's his name there? The one that had the sniper rifle? What was his name? They didn't have names. It was just father and son. Okay, so, yeah, which we didn't really know they were father and son either. But anyway, um, yeah, so the father ends up shooting the thing, and that's how it pretty much died. Well, starts to weaken, and then that's when they just pretty much brutalized it by accident to death. And which... Can they I did cut off Mitchell's head, question? too. Oh, you're so Can funny. Can I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, you're so funny. Ha, 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 ha. All right, all right. Puns all around, folks. Puns all around. We like our puns here. <laughs> puns are fun. Yeah, puns are fun. Anyways. 
But they did chop off Mitchell's head. Even though Mitchell's dead, oh, yeah. they did end up decapitating him, too. Yeah, yep. they did, because I think they were afraid of him turning into yep. one of those monsters. They figured that would be the way to stop it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm just going to nip this in the butt before it happens. Pretty much like vampires. Remove the head from the body. Separate the head. And set it on fire. <laughs> set it on fire. Which, yeah, what do you use to set it on fire again? Gasoline and... Gasoline and rubbing alcohol. Rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there was rubbing alcohol for most of it. I know they used gasoline on the girl at the farmhouse. And a cigarette, a lit cigarette. Yeah, what cigarette? cigarette. And then later on they used rubbing alcohol and a lighter, I believe. I think I would have a lighter, I think. Let's see, um... So, after they kill the death monster and poor Mitch dies, they all go back to fussing and fighting, you know, they're killing Daniel and Allie and all them. We're just here for him. The older man tells the younger guy to light them all on fire and burn the rest of the hospital down. And while they're tussling and fighting, the junkie actually picks up a scalpel and holds Maggie, the pregnant teenage girl, hostage. So they're trying to make peace, trying to, you know, figure out what the hell is going on, because these poor people at the hospital have no idea what the fuck is happening. These two guys do, but they're not really giving much info and telling them what's happening outside. You know, they're talking about leaving and getting out of there, and they're telling them good luck, you know, you're not going to get out. It's like you're not going to get very is surrounded. No. Yeah. So, as they're continuing fussing and fighting, Dr. Richard tries to talk to him, tries to talk the junkie down, and the junkie ends up stabbing him in the neck. Right in the jugular. Right in the throat. In his throat. Which and he begins to bleed out. Yeah. It does. Because now you have a doctor. It's a trainee nurse, a nurse, that's, a pregnant girl. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Right? I was like, I was like, oh, shit, they're fucked. The doctor just got offed. I, like, oh, I, I felt I bad for the doctor at first. I did. I felt yeah, bad that he got killed. Yeah, I did, too, at first. <laughs> at first. Yeah. We'll get to why we, we don't feel so bad later in the movie. Yep. Uh, I, I was like, oh no, the poor old doctor man. Yeah, poor doctor. So I was like, it's So, the doctor dies. They can't save him. Uh, they finally, I guess, come to an agreement uh, about what's going to happen. Daniel tells him, look, I have a shotgun in the car. You have no ammo left. Come to me, my police cruiser. You can get the ammo off the back of the trunk. I'll get the shotgun. And so they make the deal because poor Maggie is getting worse and worse by the minute. Yep. And so all that's left to the trainee doctor. <laughs> tra- trainee nurse, actually. Whatever. Poor, she's so ditzy, too. I'm like, oh, you can't be a nurse. 
Oh my God! You, yeah, this is there not are your times profession. where I kind of would just like, yeah. you just need to get cut off. I was like, I was like, somebody please just take her out because she clearly is in the wrong line of profession because she's just like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. I'm well, like, we're talking about how, how the fact that like she her. like sitting at the desk like before all this shit went down with Bethany and her and everybody that like. What was that? She was, like, busy doing something, like, with the files or whatever. And then Bethany was just like, oh, you know what you can do? You can, like, organize the files or something like that. Like, like move the files or whatever. And then she hasn't done anything. And then Bethany does, like, that little um, pun, we'll just say, like, like, the boxes ain't going to move by themselves kind of thing. <laughs> And that's when she kind of was just like, <sighs> like she, I think she told Bethany, like Bethany told her, like you know, you're here to help move files, and she was like, computers move files, and Bethany kind of like smarted back off to her and walked off, and Kim was like, ah, so old school. Because she had to box files instead of having everything on a computer. Yeah, that's what it was. That so I'm just like, lazy, lazy, lazy. Yeah. This is an easy job. Which we'll get more so, into that too. But anyway. Yeah. Yes. So after they like agree to go get the weapons, Allison wants to go get medicine for Maggie. Because, like I said, she's getting worse and worse by the minute. And she's, you know, having worse pains. Daniel tells Allison, don't go until I come back. Wait till I come back, they will get the stuff she needs. So the two gentlemen and Daniel go outside, which Dan tells them his police cruiser's, like, super close. Somehow the car gets moved further down. I don't know how, because I think he has the car, keys to the car, so I don't know how the police cruiser got pushed further down, but they end up making it to the car. Daniel gives the young guy the keys and the ammo while the older man's watching guard and Daniel's trying to unlock his shotgun. And he's having problems unlocking the shotgun from the holster. Which, in my, in my point right here, being in the field I am in, the first time I went outside to get contact, with dispatch, I would have took my shit then. I would have got my gun and I got all my ammo from the car at that point in time. Especially after what happened with Beth. I would have got my weapons just in case. I wouldn't have left them in the car. That's just me. But they're getting the, they're getting the ammo and Daniel's fighting to get the shotgun un, unhooked. And the next thing they know, they are being surrounded by the cultists again. And the horns blaring and all that. Which, that's one thing we get to talk about, the blaring horns. I don't know what the hell that is, but the big wah that you hear, I guess that's their signal to show up. Yeah. But you hear the big blare, and they show up, and yeah, that's the young guy was. almost gets killed. Yeah, it's, like, almost like it's, like a, a, uh, it's almost like a call in, in a way, like the horn pretty much signifies, like, you need to come here kind of thing. Pretty much what it mean it, it is. It's kind of like um, I'm going into a video game reference right now, but it's kind of like uh, Resident Evil Four with the with the church bells. 
as soon as the church bells ring, you know, those guys or creatures that you were just fighting, they don't even fight you anymore. Instead, once they, once they hear the bell ring, they're going into the church for whatever they're doing in the church. So they completely even forget that, like, they don't even care that you're even still alive anymore. They're just wanting to go do their church business. Whatever they need to do. Yeah. But that's what I thought of the uh, weird horn sound, is that I think it's just a way of saying, like, hey, you need to come this way. Stand in, look creepy. Gotcha. I can do that. Okay, yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they, they end up getting the shotgun. The young guy almost gets stabbed. I think he gets his hand sliced open, trying to fight him off. Daniel shoots the cultist, kills, and they make it back into the hospital. But while they're outside, Allison actually leaves before they get back to go get the items from Maggie. And while Allison goes and gets the stuff, she's collecting things. And at one point in time, she moves, and there's Dr. Richard standing behind her. You in mean, mind, you mean the doctor that just got stabbed in the throat? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's what I said, too. So, Paul didn't notice what did you guys it at, think about that? Paul didn't notice it at first. I'm like, holy crap. And I'm and like, what? Like, what did I like, miss? He's like, what? What did I miss? And I said, you know the doctor that got stabbed in the throat? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, he was just standing behind Allison in the medical room. And he's like, oh. he's like, oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's so quick, like, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss that part. It, it's like a flash, and then he's gone. Kind of like with you with the so, witch. <clears throat> uh, anyway. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it so, was quick, I will guys, say that. It was quick. But, but I kind of had an idea of what was going on with the witch. I mean, kind of, sort of. Well, let me ask everybody this. What would everybody take now since the doctor was, like, you know, just all of a sudden just showed up? (laughs) I was like, my thoughts were, I was like, oh, my fucking God, he has something to do with this. I don't know what it is, but he's definitely a part of what's going on right now. Was that the same I thought it just turned into a monster. That's what I kind of thought. I wasn't really quicken on to the movie quite yet because, I mean, there was no subtitle, so I had no idea. I I was, I was kind of, I think at this point, was starting to lose interest in the movie just because, like, dialogue-wise, just because I'm part deaf. I use subtitles so I understand and know what's going on with the story, not only that, but to help understand these characters but since this one didn't have any subtitles and for everybody too for every, for the record this is not an american film it is a canadian film I just it's a canadian film yes. yeah i just wanted to throw that out there um let's see so 
The guys come back from the hospital. I mean, oh, excuse me, from outside back into the hospital. Dan asks where Allison went. Uh, and she has gone to go get the medicine. So, Dan asks the older guy to come with him while he tells the younger guy to stay hit back with everyone else and look out for him. So, the young boy stays back, the older man follows Dan, and they go looking for him. And, the, you know, the older guy's like, you know, this isn't very smart for us to be going off by ourselves. And that's when you find out that uh, Dan and Allison are husband and wife. Because he tells the older guy, you know, right now, I have the right to be really pissed off at my wife. Which I think they're going through a divorce, or they're split up from what I can understand from the movie. They're not they're, really they're, together anymore. They're separated, separated because... Allison lost the, their baby. Their baby. Yeah. So they're not taking it so, very well. Yeah, which, they're kind which, of like which divided. Is, which is understandable, but I don't know if I would. I mean, I, I guess people take it differently in different ways, but I don't yeah. think I could just split with my partner because we lost a child. No. I think I'd rather want them to I be would, with me than I'd want to be closer. I think I'd want to be closer to them. I would want to lean. Not That's it. Lean. That's how I am. I'd want someone to be there to support me, not just to be like, fuck off, you lost our kid. No, I don't want that. But different, different strokes to different folks. Well, again, it's, it's, not, it's, not like it, it's not like it's your fault, you know, if you're carrying the child inside of you and something happens and you lose the baby, it's out of your hands. It's not like you can control whether or not the child survives or not if something happens within the womb. I can understand if you have the child and the child's already born and, you know, you're out at the park with the child and you turn your back for one minute and you You turn around and the kid's gone. You know, I can understand in that sense how the spouse would be pissed off, but not... You can't be pissed off at your you can't be pissed off at your significant other for losing a child while it's inside of you or giving birth to it. Which, um, since we're talking about that and from the uh, idea that you just gave, but a perfect example of like what Tessa just said about um, she would understand like if you were if you were at a uh, park or something or something. With like your kid, and you know you walk away for that one second, and um, he, you turn back around, and, he, and your kid gone. A perfect example of this, right before the parents are separated, is uh, pay the ghost. If anybody's ever heard of that, it's with uh, Nicholas Cage. Which is which is really good, by the way. And if you haven't seen it. You recommend it. Yeah, I believe it's still on Netflix, too, for those of you that have Netflix. I believe it's still on Netflix. Yeah. Pay the gold. It's good. But anyway. I need to go see it, because I haven't seen this movie, apparently. Yeah, it's good. You'll like it. It's got it's got some, like, folklore elements to it, That's too. That's exactly one reason, another reason why one, I like one it. One of the reasons why Paul and I really like it is because there's folklore elements used. Yeah. I'm gonna go check it out then, because I'm down with the folklore elements. Yep. Um, let's see. 
Another good movie oh, is I'm The really Monster. Good. Have I seen that? Well, then that's another title for you to start looking up. Yeah, because we'll be doing a podcast on that one as well, Crystal, The Monster. Yeah, because we really enjoyed that I'm one. Look it up. Yeah, I suggested it one oh, night yeah. for movie oh, night. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Yep. That is on there. That is free with Amazon Prime. But anyway, before we get more distracted into more awesome <laughs> movies that we've seen, kind of like, what's that one crypto that you suggested to us? Um, Thinking. Is it a movie or a game? Movie. It started with an A. Abador. The Abador. Abador, yeah. Oh, gosh, that oh movie gosh. was amazing. Another podcast. But that's <laughs> going to be another future podcast, but we won't get into it too much, but oh, my God, amazing. Yep. Love it. Love, love it. love it so much. We were both, by the end of it, we were like, oh, my God. This needs to happen. This is amazing. <laughs> I was like, we need, he's like, we need to do a podcast, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, not just that, but this needs to happen. Meaning, like, hung out-wise. Yeah. Because it was a really cool concept. Yes. It really was. I enjoyed it. Agreed. Oh, I love that movie. But, yes. So now, but, Crystal, please continue. <laughs> so, they get to the medical room where Allison was. She's no longer there. They find a bag of all the items that she was collecting. Um... They collect the, pick up the bag of items, and as they're making their way back out into the hallway, they hear a phone ringing. And Daniel stops, and the guy stops by, he's like, what? And you can hear the phone ringing. So they go down the hallway to the office with the phone, and the phone call's coming from the morgue. So he picks up the phone, and on the, the other doctor. side of the phone is Richard, the doctor. And Daniel, for some reason, asks, who is this? And I'm like, you know who the fuck this is? Why are you asking? You know. Well, I, um, he, in his defense, he doesn't even realize he's technically still alive yet. Just, Just like nobody else really knew. So, that would be, I'm assuming, his only defense. But, yes, I do maybe agree that. Yeah, the element of surprise. Yeah, the element of surprise. Okay, I guess I'm giving that. I was just like, you heard this man talk before. You can't tell me you don't know this man's voice. But I can give him that, because he does think Richard is dead, so I'll, I'll give him that one. But I, I just kind of looked at the movie, and I was like, really? Are you really <laughs> asking him who this is? But as he talks to Richard... How about the uh, Richard, he had? Or memory, yes, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, the dream. The vision he had, or something. He was like, you saw something, and I felt it when you woke up. Which, because Daniel has this vision of, like, this weird planet-like thing. It's really weird. Oh, yeah. Agreed. So, he he starts talking to Richard... And as he's talking to Richard, the guy beside him finds a box full of pictures of the cultists, and it looked like the sacrifices, dead, mutilated bodies. Um, and he also picks up a book. And as he's flipping to the book, there's symbols in the book. 
uh, I guess, for the rituals and things like that. So he kind of collects them, and as Daniel's talking to him, he tells Daniel that, you know, he knows how it feels to lose something when he lost his daughter Sarah. He lost everything. And he's going to make things right. He's going to make everything right for everybody. And, you know, Daniel asks Richard, where is Allie? Where is Allison? What have you done with her? And he goes, she's with me. I'm going to help her. And so the phone hangs up. He doesn't tell Allison. is just he's with, she's with him. And so the guy collects all the book and the photos and they leave back out, back to the office where everyone else is in the main lobby area. And that's when Dan decides that they're going to go down and try to find Allison. Which the two, the older man is not too tickled with this idea. He doesn't want to do this, but they end up deciding to go and they take the junkie with them. Um, but I believe before they head down, you actually see Allison. She wakes up and she's paralyzed. And she's laying on this moored metal bed. And she really can't see anything. So she hears Richard talking to her and she's begging Richard, please, you know. And he begins to, you know, pretty much explain to her the same thing that he told Daniel. You know, about losing his daughter and how... He brings up the loss of her son, about how the baby was being pretty much strangled by his own umbilical cord. And as he's talking to her, you never see the front of the doctor. But at one point, you see him peeling skin off his hand and sticking it into a to a tray. Yeah, he's just he, pretty much skinned himself. Yeah, when he's like, when he stops talking, the room goes dark. Like, it, yeah. fades, it fades out and stuff. And every time he talks, the room will light up again or something like that. And then when he stops talking, it fades out. I thought it kind of goes out. out. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was really weird, like... Agreed. The skin peeling thing. Yeah. Well... What you think about it, Paul? Uh... He's probably going to be like, I love it. So smexy. Um, oh, oh, you love it. Yeah, so smexy. Make <laughs> me want to take your skin and rub it all over my body. Um, oh, jeez. Anyway. Um, no, well, I, I know from like what you guys have already said with the whole, when he talks, the room gets brighter. When he doesn't talk, it gets darker. But. There is that one point, too, unless I'm going too far ahead, too, but um, when he's talking about losing his kid, that's when she, he starts telling um, Allison that uh, he found a way to bring her back. Mm-hmm. Where Sarah, I believe, is what his uh, daughter's name was. How how did he word it? It was like, I found a way to that Sarah was reborn. Which, yeah. Yeah. At that point in time, I was just kind of like, and how was she reborn then? Because this is already getting fucking weird. <laughs> this whole movie was fucking weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
second that. Well, yeah, because, like, I'm not sure it was just only when Daniel was coming in, but I think it might have even been beforehand. Um, but while Allison is on the, um, the uh, tray thing, being paralyzed and stuff, you, like, you start to notice, too, like, the environment is changing around her, too. As it's she's getting, getting darker. She's getting, yeah, exactly. She's getting darker. Her skin is even acting all weird and, like. She's transforming. She's transforming. And then I, then at one point in time, you just see the room, like, I think it was, like, a quick flash at first. But, like, you just see, like, all these tentacle shit and whatever just everywhere in the room. Almost like it, the stomach exploded. Oh, lovely. Yummy. So tasty. Well, that's like when he tells her uh, about, you know, the butterfly and the cocoon and how he's seeing, you know, uh, I've learned how to get the butterfly and the, you know, I've seen the caterpillar in the cocoon and I've made mistakes. And those mistakes are still here. That's what caused the fire to the hospital. Which I didn't catch that the first time I watched it. I didn't hear him tell her that the mistakes that he made were still the the reason why the hospital was on fire at one point. Yeah. And that's when, you know, he starts telling her about how he's going to make things right for her and that it's it's already going to happen. Something's already growing inside of her. And that's when you see her skin, like, yellow veins and stuff start going onto her chest. And it was weird. Which they also showed, when he was telling this, like, files of, like, the different creatures that he had ended up creating. Yep. I guess from his practices of what he was trying to do. Yep. Um, with, that kind of covers, like, uh, both of her scenes in the hospital room because before the tentacles come out, this is like right when Daniel and him go back to the junkie and they go up to him to get the hammer and they want answers because the guy doesn't want to go down there, but Daniel does. And he goes, all right, you smug fuck. If you have ideas of how to, do you know what's down there? And he's like, nope. But I think I have, I know who does. And one of the Polaroids was of the junkie that's handcuffed in the hallway. Okay, so if we're so going to talk about this jun- part, we gotta, you gotta also remember when, um, Daniel, the father and son were looking around for, um, what was it, like, I, I think it was like the medical stuff and maybe supplies and like what they could use and whatever. But that's when they found those photos. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I talked about that. I said okay. that they found okay. the photos we, in the yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess I clearly yeah. didn't hear that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, like, when Daniel's in the phone with Richard, the dad or father guy found the pictures in the metal box. Yeah. And then he found the book with the ritual symbols. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, but, um, so the guys, uh, the father and son are back with the junkie that is uh, handcuffed to the uh, rail thing in the, the railing. Yeah, 
trying to ask questions about what the fuck going on here because and going, they're, they're trying to figure out answers yeah and you know the junkie's pretty much screaming and hollering he wants out help him he's not going to die here and they pretty much you know about to break fingers and he finally he's like you know we want Daniel's like we want answers he's like it's the doctor it's the doctor and we're like we already know this Tell us something we don't know. How to, how to stop him. He's like, well, he's dead. I killed him. And he's like, no. The doctor's still alive. So they finally decide to take the, the junkie. The look on his face like, what? Yeah. Yeah. He was just like, how is, how is that possible? And, you know, they asked what he was. And they're like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And so they finally... Unhook him. That the junkie's like, "Oh, no, thank you, thank you," because he begins to explain to them about the farmhouse, about how he met this girl on the side of the road who was telling him he could score crystal meth. When he gets to that the, the druggy house, it's actually where they're doing the experiments and sacrifices, and he explains to them that, you know. They made him have sex, and the, and the people watched, and they sacrificed him, and they were watching people change into these creatures. And he said it's a nightmare, you know. And that's when they decide to take him with them into the basement, and they tell him, well, you're going to go see your doctor friend again. You're about to go visit your buddy. Yep. And so the dad, son, Daniel, and the junkie then proceed to go to the uh, downstairs while leaving Kim, pregnant Maggie, and her grandfather upstairs, you know, Kim's begging them not to leave her because she can't do this. She doesn't know what the, all this medical stuff is or giving her. And they're like, you have to. You have to stay up with them and watch over her. Try to make her as comfortable as possible. So they give Kim a walkie-talkie to stay in communication with them. And they proceed to go down to the basement. With oh, Kim no, giving no. directions to, I believe, the morgue or whatever. Um, so they do get down to the basement, and Kim's giving directions to the morgue, and she tells them there should be a doorway, but it's nothing but hallways, four doors. And Dan tells her, I don't see a door to the morgue, a back door. It's nothing but hallways. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? And so they could, they proceed to keep going down. And at first, I think they finally get to the base, like the, the, the very bottom door. And I want to say that's where they see the ritual symbol on the ground. Yeah. They, let, they tell Kim they're going downstairs and then he gets that basement land there on the bottom floor, and there's a big ritual symbol on the ground. Which I think for that, I think it's also that door with that symbol again, too. I, I believe. I know yeah. that's right after I think the, so. the uh, ritual on the floor. I mean, yeah, the symbol on the floor. It's, I think it's like an orange door with a black symbol on it or something like that. Yeah, like the triangle. Pretty much like... Pretty much the triangle that the cultists had on their hoods. Yeah. And, like, this is pretty much like the, uh, 
final finale kind of thing because the guy's like, we need to really think this through before we go through here. And of course Daniel is just like, fuck it, let's go. And just we'll do it. Bull rushes in. And they end up going into this room with nothing but red light. Like, it's really dark and dank looking. And there's like bodies everywhere. And this part was really, really crazy. Because the older guy starts having a vision of his wife and child. And like, the junkie's like, he's in his head, he's in his head. And so they're trying to calm everybody, or him down. And then you hear something hitting metal. And the camera pans over, and there's this body constantly impaling its head on a metal pipe. Over and over, over. You can hear and the, over again. And you can hear the squishing and the squanching and the everything goodness of it all, and you're like, oh, boy. You're just like, I want some apple juice. (laughs) I want a nice, fat, juicy apple to bite into. And I'm I'm just like, you know what? If I saw that, I'm turning around. I'm like, well, it's time to go. It's time to go. (laughs) Fuck this. Let them do whatever they want to do. I'm doing. But it doesn't work out that well. It doesn't, unfortunately. All the body bags start rising up. And the monsters start coming to life. All the abominations that caused the fire of the hospital. Because they want to die. But the good old doctor just won't let them. Because he is a good pal of theirs. So they begin to proceed to try to attack them. The older father figure guy takes off down a different hallway. Uh, leaving the son to kind of follow after him. And Daniel and the junkie... To go a different way, which this is where you see the contortionist guy. This is where he shows up. Because as Dan and the junkie are hiding, the junkie tries to strangle Dan with his handcuffs. Yep. Well, Dan ends up flipping him over, and the monster that's doing all the weird arm movements and stuff ends up grabbing the junkie and slamming his head. Into the ground, killing the junkie at the end. Which, I have to give that dude props. His fucking, like, contortionist skills are fucking phenomenal. On point. Like, crazy. He was, like, the best monster, I think, out of all of them. Mm hmm. Like, if I would have saw that. We're talking about like, like. The guy that I showed you a video okay, of. Okay, I'm making sure I would make sure that was the guy that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I showed yeah. you the video. Yeah, yeah. And then you yeah. showed everybody else. Yeah, You're like you gotta see this. Yeah. He's the one that kills the junkie in, in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Oh my god, <laughs> he's definitely not human. Dude, I told Kool Aid that that's a real dude. That is not animated whatsoever. That guy can actually do that with his body. And Koi just looked at me and goes, whoa. Yeah, it's not robotic or anything. That's all him. Which, I mean, I think you could look up what the Void video on YouTube, it it pulls up his 
video? Look him doing that in his normal clothing? I believe so. Um, I don't know, but there's a lot of video that now have that video, but they just edited it to make it like a mimi now and stuff. So a lot of people won't even realize that this guy is actually from the void, nor are they giving the movie credit anyway, because it was the void that posted that to begin with. And now you got people pretty much just taking it and just making mimis out of it now. Like, I had a guy, oh, I got a Facebook group earlier where some guy shared some edited video of it to the group, and I happened to say, like, hey, that's the guy from the Void movie. And I actually got a response saying, like, are you you serious or are you joking? And I'm thinking to myself, really, dude? Really? Why would I? Why would I be joking that this is this is the guy from the void? Like, what the hell? Oh my god! Yeah. Some people. But yeah, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> All right. So, um, I want to say it's around this time that upstairs, Kim is still with Maggie and her grandfather, and Maggie starts being really in pain. She's crying. And so Kim finally gives her some medicine to kind of like sedate her, knock her out. But while she's knocked out, like a little while later, her grandfather asks, you know, is she okay? And Kim checks her. Yeah. And yeah, this, this part made me sad. I really, cause like Kim at one point was like, you know, you have a great grandpa. You know, he cares a lot about you for being here with you. Mine just smokes and watch TV, you know? Yeah. So, like, she pulls back the blanket because Maggie's, like, has a fever. She's sweating. And she's bleeding. The uncle, yeah, there. the uncle was, like, more worried, though, because, yeah, he, he just, like, um, is she all right? Yeah. And he's like, you have to do something. You have to help her. And Kim pulls out a medical book on how to do C-sections. And I'm like... Oh, Her and the baby are going to end up dying. So Kim's got the scalpel, and she's sitting there reading it, and she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Uncle, and the grandpa's like... Yeah, you can. You can do it. We you, heard you. Just you do it. Help you her. have to help her. You have to help her. And so she finds, like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And the grandpa grabs her by the arms and tells her, you have to do something to help her. And at that point... His throat gets slit from the back. <laughs> and he falls over dead, and there stands Maggie. Dun, dun, his, dun. His, dun, dun, dun. With this big, goofy grin on her face. And she's like, it's all going to be okay now. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm carrying Dr. Richard's child. And I'm thinking, dun, what dun, the fuck is going on? What a <laughs> twist. Wait, What? <laughs> What a twist. What a twist. It's what M.I. Shemla had a part in this movie. Right. <laughs> so, of course, Maggie is I like, so she's all happy. <laughs> Kim's freaking out. Kim grabs her freaking axe and is like, 
get the fuck away from me, you know. And then, before she, I think she kills her grandfather, the doors get busted open by the cultists. So the cultists are coming in. Through the hospital. So after she, through the hospital. So after grandfather, the cultists are waiting for her. And she just walks along <laughs> with the cultists that leaves Kim there. Like she nothing ever happened. Like nothing ever happened. So back down the basement, uh, the father and son pick up down one way, and all of a sudden, the basement turns into a house. And the young boy is looking at the photos, and that's when you actually find out that those two are father and son with the family photos that he looks on the wall. Because before then, you don't know their father and son. The guy, you know, tells them that he found him and that the last people he trusted did that to his neck. Because the boy cannot talk. I don't know if they, like, destroyed his vocal cords or what. Because he does have a gash on his neck and it's wrapped up. So I can only assume a cultist must have stabbed him in the neck or something. something. It really doesn't go into detail what happened to him. Boo. He just, he's a me, yeah, well, I mean, give me something, but, he was, he was, yeah, he actually was a good actor to say he was me the whole time. Right. But the son does go into the, like, the living room, and the dad's talking to somebody, he's like, what I have to do, and you know... He, he turns around and sees his son. He goes, this is all your fault. I told you to, I wasn't here. I told you to protect them. This is all your fault. And he starts attacking his son. which yep. And it doesn't even tell you what happened to the mother and the child. Once again, I don't know if cultists killed them or they died in a different way. It doesn't go into detail about the mother and the child died. I guess it's up to your imagination. So that's the only I can think of, is that it has something to do with the ritual. Maybe the baby died, they died in the fire at the hospital. Maybe they got sacrificed during this, and that's why the father and son are killing all these cultists. Well, I'm trying to track this down. It was their house, apparently, so it must have took, something happened in the house. So it must have, I wonder if it was the cultists, maybe? Where the cultists were uh, trying to like, go after go after them for maybe for running away running away from the experiment or something. I mean, like you said, I mean we don't really know what the hell happened, but at this point in time, I would say it was the cultists. They were going after them because of maybe because of the fact that the kid, the the baby, like you know. Maybe they were trying to get the baby, but they couldn't because, you know, something happened. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it, it, I guess it's, it leads to imagination, I guess. Yeah. Because, like I said, it doesn't really give them any kind of backstory. They just, they're just kind of there for the most part. Right. So, but I thought that was... I mean, it was kind of a, a shocker in the way that they were father and son, but then I was like, okay, I can see it. Um, let's see. So they kind of come out of that little delusion, 
And then it goes back to Daniel. Daniel's actually in, like, the main... Oh, no, excuse me. He finds the room where Allison is in. And it's like a flashback of her being pregnant for the first time. And he's holding her hand. And she's like, don't leave me. And he's like, I'm not. He kisses her on the hand. And she goes, I can feel it coming. And they're all happy. And then you hear Richard go, Daniel. And he tells Daniel, I know your secret about how you were um, relieved that the baby died and this and that. And it goes back to being um, the like decrepit, ruined hospital room. And he was like, um, he, which she I don't know, when he's holding Allison's hand. Which I don't know if this is like reality or if this were just him getting like his mind completely fucked. But yeah, with like everything everywhere, like tentacles everywhere, gusts of. Blah, on the floor and ceiling, like, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, and then it goes back to, like, what you, like, what you and I would see, like, normal, where there's nothing there, there's nothing wrong with the room, so then... And then Richard, Dr. Richard says, I finally gave her what she wanted. She's a mother now. She's beautiful, isn't she? She's she's a mother now. She's beautiful, isn't she? It's like, oh, so, what did you guys think about that? Like, when when y'all saw that, what did y'all guys like think? Like, when he went back to reality and she was nothing but like this big cynical monster. I I honestly felt bad because I wanted her to I wanted her to survive. I wanted Daniel to get to her, but um. When she, when you go in and you find out she's like this, like, tentacle monster mother, it's like, holy shit. And it's like, yeah, I understand she wanted to be a mother, but. Damn. Damn. Going the limit. Not that bad. <laughs> Not that bad. Yeah. No. Like, what did y'all think about when Daniel actually, like, you don't see it, but you actually through the door. You see him decapitating her. Like, it's implied that he's decapitating her and killing her. Okay, I kind of saw that coming just because, you know, like, like it goes back to what I just said. It, was it really reality or was it really Richard playing a game with him, like, with his mind? So is that why, like, this beautiful monster, is it really a delusion? And that's why he thinks he's chopping her, like, doing her a favor because he's actually thinking he's, he's really seeing this? Or is he really not seeing it? Because it did go back between the... It kept flashing back and forth between realities. Reality and delusion, planes. yeah. So it makes you think, like, did, she, like, did he just really, like, like... Like, if we were to see it, Without that, like, beautifulness, um, we would probably think that he's a stone-cold killer. Like, he's just now murdering his wife, so... Yeah, it's like, are we watching him murder her as a monster, or is he actually murdering her as her human form? Yeah. And he assumes that she's a monster, that yeah. he's seen her as a monster... But she's still laying there paralyzed on the table. Yeah, exactly. And he's just chopping away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what Paul and I were thinking when we were watching it. Because I kind of thought a little bit 
scene because when he's holding her hand at one point, it turns to ash. Yep. But then as you see him chopping, there's blood splattering yep. on the door, which, I mean, it could have been from the tentacles of the monster thing itself. But, like I said, it could have been either one. Either he was having a vision of her being this way, and he was actually just killing his wife, or he was actually killing the monster that she had become. So that was another thing that kind of left you to use your own imagination on, on who was he killing, the monster or his wife. Um, trying to think what happens next. I believe after he kills his wife, or the monster, Allison, I'm just gonna he go actually with ends up... Wife. Yeah, it go that he gets kills his wife. He ends up being in the main, um, I guess, seance chamber that's got like rows of like dead bodies on stretchers, tables. It's like the big powwow room. Like where they have the but it's not as in. fun as a powwow. No, no, no. No one's at all. passing a piece of pipe around. No, no, not at all. Everybody's laid out on um, slabs and body bags and sheets. <laughs> I will say this. Y'all have seen Hellraisers. Yeah. yeah. I swear that the doctor looks like freaking Uncle Frank. Uh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see the resemblance. I was like, it's me, Uncle Frank. I was like, oh, I'm like, It's like Hellraiser all over again on that one part. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I was like, is this another Hellraiser that I'm just not aware of yet? And oddly enough, I was thinking about that, too. Like, I was thinking about, like, the Cenobites and stuff like that. On that part, I was like, holy shit. I was like, his whole freaking body looks like something out of Hellraiser. Yeah, and he Again, pretty much got like, to call it Minions. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I had Kool-Aid laughing about that part. I'm like, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah that, I can see it. It's true. I'm like, I'm telling you. Uncle Frank. <laughs> but, so... Daniel and Richard start talking, um, and he's pretty much explained to him about everything that he's done, about the research, and after he lost Sarah, he went digging and, and what he found, and how his, he's missing, the only thing he's missing is his last piece, and then Daniel gets stuck in the back. By Maggie. By Maggie. And he kind of falls over, and Maggie walks up and is all happy and smiling. She's super psyched to do this. Kneels. And he was like, kneels and everything. It's just she's just kneeling and smiling happy like sunshine disciple. and rainbows. Yeah, happy little disciple. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss ass. You know what? If I, I had a choice, I'd be like, go ahead and just kill me. I am not carrying this baby in me. If I knew what I knew then, no. Like, Negative. Not, uh, it's like, I'm not carrying this baby for you. Uh-uh, no way. Which, speaking of which. So, but, yeah. speaking of which, pretty much Richard tells Daniel, you're going to be my audience to what happens. 
So Daniel's pretty much dying on the ground watching this, and Richard turns around to the big void symbol, and he starts chanting, and the wall presses back, and his big glowing light reveals, and it opens like a door, and Maggie's like, come please bless my baby. Like, oh boy, you're gonna wish you hadn't said, said that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh boy. So, she got what she wanted. Her baby got blessed. Yep. And boy, did she regret it. Oh, yeah. That's when she finally <laughs> snapped out of the trace she was in. And it was too late then. Oh, yeah. And so you see, like, this thing, like, twisting and turning on the inside of her. And this finally explodes from her belly. And this big, hideous creature pops out, which is Sarah. Yeah, I was going to say, how dare you talk about Sarah that way. But anyway. (laughs) So what did you guys think about when y'all finally got to see the new reborn Sarah? First of all, what an interesting birth with the yeah. amount of blood that they use for it. Um, Agreed. Otherwise, it made me wonder, too, like, so kind of like back to Bethany, but is it now, like, Maggie getting dragged on the floor, or what was going on here? Yeah, Maggie was being dragged around by Sarah. What? Let's say it. What? Sarah looks like, the newborn Sarah looks like the, I don't don't know if you, you probably haven't seen the third Aliens yet. Oh. Alien Resurrection, (laughs) there's the newborn. She kind of looks like that. That's what I thought when I seen that. I know there's like a lot of alien references in this episode, but damn, there's like a lot of similarities that I've seen, and like, I'm just like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, but I that's can, what I thought face. when I saw the newborn yeah. Sarah. I thought it was like something out of like Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection. Yep, that was my thoughts. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to look at the same again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but, uh, I kind of found found it comical when she was dragging Maggie around. Though. Exactly, exactly, and. I know they didn't, I know they probably couldn't show how Maggie would be in drag, but it just would have been interesting because, as we saw, Bethany was pretty much, like, getting dragged because the thing exploded out of her back. But now, now that Maggie just gave birth to this new Sarah, like, is she getting dragged through, like, like, the stomach down or, like... I don't know. I don't know. It just, I think it just would have been interesting to kind you of see. You did see her get flopped around a bit when the creature was moving, though. Yeah. You just couldn't tell where she's being. No. Where she's being flopped around no. from. Yeah. I know the noises that the new reborn Sarah made were lovely. The creature noises? Oh, my, oh my God. God. Yeah. You, you just, you like the baby creature noises? Yeah, you mentioned something about that. What did you, what did you oh, say? Oh God, I'm trying to remember what I said. Uh, anyway, as we're she's trying to think of that, Crystal, go for it. Keep going. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> so, so yes. Sarah has made her appearance, uh, making her baby squeals and all that cute <laughs> stuff that babies do. So adorable. It is. Um, <laughs> like the cultists all dropped. I think that's what it was. Raptor noises? Yeah, kind of. Well, but it sounds like a fucking raptor. I'm like, oh boy. There's a lot of horror movies that use raptor noises for some reason. Yeah. Like the Babadook. Yeah, I noticed that too. I'm like, holy crap. Like, why don't we keep the raptor noises in Jurassic Park? I know it's cool and all. Anyway, um, where is that? Um, so, so the, the father and son up. show yeah. up. Yep. The father and son show up, and they begin to try to attack Sarah, shooting her and things like that. And Sarah goes after them. They're running down a corridor, and they get uh, trapped almost. Sarah uses one of her tentacles. And grabs the dad and yanks him down. The son grabs the metal pipe and like destroys one of her little tentacles. And while he does that, the dad shoots her square in the face. And which pisses Sarah off. And she begins to use her little tentacles and like starts digging herself into the dad. And as he's pretty much getting Injected with her tentacles into his stomach, he's pouring rubbing alcohol all over himself. And he tells his son to light the flare, light it, do it in this, in this now. And the son kind of like has, you know, he, he's torn between doing it and, and not. And he finally lights the flare and throws it and catches his dad on fire. And the beautiful baby Sarah, and she starts to cry and squeal. Nice sound effects, guys. And <laughs> I try. And so the sun takes off through a chute and is trying to avoid the beautiful newborn. Sarah. Because Sarah um, is not so we, fully dead yet. No, she is pretty pissed. Nah, she definitely pissed. Yeah, shit. Right how dare you burn me? And how dare you? How dare you shoot me in the face? And then catch me on fire. I just want to be friends. I just want to give you a hug. Let's be friends. Best like of friends. Bad. Only best no. friends let you inject tentacles in each other. It's like, uh, no. I'll pass. Uh-uh. No, thank you. I'd rather just shoot you in the face and set you on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we can be friends like that, but not friends like you sticking your tentacles in me. Oh, no, no. Yeah, That's yeah. a little too intimate, ma'am. I've just met you. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we haven't even had dinner yet, and you're trying to probe me. Like no. Yeah. At least at least buy me a drink. Yeah. Right. A stiff drink at least. Couple. <laughs> just give me a just give I me a whole damn of this. Just give me a whole damn bottle. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> be nice and lit before you start to probe me with those things. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. 
Well, then, hi like guys, nice I'm Paul, and this is the Interesting Podcast. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and you just heard it here on the podcast. Oh, it's interesting. we got to keep it fresh. got to keep it nice and dirty and fresh. Except oh, for that one episode okay. where we didn't want to keep it dirty, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I dropped, my God. I dropped the F-bomb. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not even talking about that. We're talking the crypto story that we'll never hear of, probably. Oh, Jesus. The pink monster. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that sounds... That sounds... So awesome. I don't know even how to, how to respond to that. Anyway, before Anyways. we get more distracted... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Sarah is pissed and chasing after the sun... He's running for and his so freaking. He's running for his freaking life, which again, another freaking reference made me think of Hellraiser. I believe it was Hellraiser Hellbound, where uh, Christy is running away from the like okay. monster thing down the hallway, trying to get back into reality. Oh my God. So that's what I, I was thinking. The only one that thought that. That uh, nope. I thought I was thinking it too. I was like, I was like, holy shit, Shara is chasing the mute. The mute boy, like that monster was chasing Christy and freaking Hellraiser too, and uh, and, and it closed the, the same, same too. Yeah, and it clo- and the wall closed the same too. It went like back to normal and everything once he got out. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> like there was a lot of to me like a lot of Hellraiser themed ideas in this movie. Hellraiser and alien and shit. Yeah. And- it, it it took a lot of different That's references crazy. to different movies. Yeah. But like like the baby squealing noises that Sarah made. That Ooh. monster that chased Thirsty. That's the same the <laughs> raptor noises. It's the same noises that monster used. <laughs> so I was like, holy crap. But Oh my god. Um, oh my god. Oh my god. So um before the walls close and the monster gets squished, um, Daniel's actually still in that room and Richard's holding him up and telling him that he can see Allison again. She's waiting for him. All you have to do is die for me. Yep. And Richard's like strangling Dan and Dan's trying to fight it. And Dan actually at one point sticks an axe into his shoulder. Which doesn't do anything. No. But it, it was worth a shot. And Richard tells him, you know, this isn't um this isn't the end. And Daniel Daniel says something to him. I can't remember what he tells him. But he shoves him through the doorway back into the, the void. And that's when everything goes normal. The monster in the hallway, the walls are closing, and the young son gets through, and it goes back to normal. Everything is quiet. The cultists are gone. Yeah, There's no everything is like, just, like, like vanished. It, it's nothing's happened, pretty much. Yeah. But here's the weird part. So, we'll back up a little bit, but back when Maggie sweat the, uh, uh, grandfather's throat and stuff and walked out with the cultist. 
uh, what's her face ran to hide because she thought the cultists were going to come back after her. Uh, what was the, the uh, she training? Did, she did go hide. Kim. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Kim. Kim did live. She um. Whoa. And <laughs> out of all the people to live, <coughs> she had to be one of them. She had to be one of them because the son goes back into the lobby, the, the office area, and his grandfather is dead, and, and you know he starts to panic and he's freaking out. And he hears noise in a room down a hallway. So he starts to go to investigate it, and he sees a cultist with their head bashed in on the ground. And yep. he, he grabs a fire extinguisher and opens the door, and there's Kim wielding her axe, about to kill him. And when she realizes it's him, she hugs on me. She's like, is it over? Is it over? And he just nods his head, yes. And... That's it. Like, their night of terror is over. Game over. Game over. But, you do see, you see Allison and Dan on this desolate looking planet. Windy and it's dark. The void. And it's the void. And you see the big triangle uh, in the sky. Black Pyramid, and they're just looking at it, and then they hold hands, and that's it. That is the movie. <laughs> so, I have to ask you guys something. In your guys' opinion, what is the void? What was the void? Um... What is the void in y'all's opinion? You know, I, I don't see this is the thing. Like, I don't even know how to answer that. Like, I'm just going to say, like, it had something to do with the Black Pyramid, the, with the Void, with that held, like, all this ghoulish, nightmarish creatures that you really would only find in, like, The your, Void is hell. Yeah. Pretty much it's just your, it's just hell. And this guy's, like, the gatekeeper. That figured out how to open it. To the real world flash like other world thing. So yeah, I would say that what I would think the void would be. But what about you? I for me I thought the void was like a parallel dimension, in all honesty. Like I thought it was just like a portal to a different universe to where our uni- yeah, our universe is normal. Yeah, I could see But that. their universe is is grotesque creatures. It's yeah. a darker version of our world. But then again, I also thought Hellraiser in the fucking pyramid I thought was Leviathan. Oh my god. <laughs> yep, I wasn't the only one in the thought of that either. Especially when it, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, especially when the top was closing, right? Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my god. I was yeah. just like, oh my god, this is Leviathan, where it. Where is Chinhead and everybody else? Getting ready to walk out of the Black Pyramid? I don't know. Hands <laughs> on the box. What's your pleasure? Where's the box? We have such sights to show you. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's right. me, Uncle Frank. 
Oh, God. That's going to be a future upcoming <laughs> podcast, because the way we're all talking about it, it, like, needs to happen. It should. We should just do it. I'm totally down for how raising them. Might as well. But that's the void. Yeah. That is the void, guys. Um, I, I mean, it... I liked it. I enjoyed it. The music was really good. I did um, enjoy the, the music. The soundtrack was great, yes. and we did really like the practical effects. Yeah, we. Yeah, I liked the fact that the practical effect. I liked the camera uh, shot. I definitely liked the soundtrack. The only thing I just didn't like about the movie was that there were no subtitles, and I. Definitely lost interest in the story 45 minutes to an hour into it. And then for the last remaining 30 to 45 minutes, I just ended up just like watching the movie just because I just wanted to watch it for the visuals. I just pretty much just stopped caring about the story. So would that be the only thing you guys would change about the movie or would there be other things that you would want to change? The ending, I guess. Like, the, like Make would, the ending better, give the story like a, a little bit of a better background of better the characters. background of the characters. And, um, I can agree with that. And, um, hmm. I think that's really I it. I think that's really it. Yeah, I think that was really it for me. Because, I mean, just like I put on my Amazon uh, review, I gave it a 3 out of 5 stars just because I kind of deducted it for the fact that... There was it no needed sub- to have subtitles. Subtitles were pretty much the major one for me, and um, I just pretty much thought the uh, story was rushed. Like, there wasn't really enough... Like, they didn't give it enough time to, like explain what was really going on, which I think they should have made it, the movie, at least another 15 to maybe another half hour, make it two hours. I mean, I think me and Tessa even said it on episode four of season one. If I understand, like, budget is the key, and, like, most of the time, we all we get is an hour and 30 minutes. 30 minutes, but damn. Try to push it for two hours. Like, I don't even care if you have to use GoFundMe or some shit. Just, like, just do it. Make it make it a little bit longer so that way you can actually get more story in there so you can help people like me who are deaf and, thumb, and something else where if you don't want to have subtitles. And that way we can at least, like, Enjoy your the film rather than me like forty five into it just and then all of a sudden just be like yeah I'm just not even I don't even care for the story anymore so that, that would be the only thing I would change like um another movie is All Hallows Eve that I mean don't get me wrong it's not a bad film and all but once again no subtitles. So, half the time I have no idea what got said because there's no subtitles. So I kind of had to go by, like, what I was seeing. Which, don't get me wrong, I mean, I watched it all. I didn't give I didn't give up on the story that much, but, I mean, I didn't really fully understand what was really going on, really. 
See, I don't. I think every movie should have subtitles because I mean, you don't know in your demographic if you do have someone who's deaf or partially deaf, they need that. So I mean, all right, we. I don't think it costs. Give us subtitles for DVD release. Right. If I mean that that if you don't want to do it on like online, at least do it when they buy the hard copy of physical copy of the DVD. Yeah, like, if we're going to spend them. 20 to 25 bucks on your hard copy, I mean, I understand there's special features and stuff, but, I mean, just give us fucking subtitles. Come on. You know, maybe... maybe I'm sure it don't cost that much to add the subtitles. Yeah, I mean, maybe I want to watch it at, like, 2 in the morning, but I want to put it on mute with subtitles on, so that way I don't wake Tesha up or something. Like, you know, like... Just, just saying, like, you know, subtitles are good for a lot of things, so. Make it work. work. Damn it. Love your community. Give subtitles. Yes. But, um, so, The Void. The Void is coming out on DVD, um, May 9th. It's um, going to be around, like, 20 bucks for the standard edition, like, standard DVD. Um, Blu-ray, though, however, it's only exclusive to this one website, which I don't even know how to pronounce the uh, company's names, so I'm not even going to bother. But um, the company's name, though, is spelled D-I-A-B-O... Almost like Diablo, but they took out the L. And then it's L-I-K, and then D-V-D. So, once again, D-I-A-B-O-L-I-K-D-V-D. They are going to carry the Void Blu-ray exclusively. That's the only way you're going to get the Void on Blu-ray, through that website. Or if you want to watch it now, you can rent it off PlayStation for $4.99. If you can't wait until May 9th. Otherwise, which is how I watched it. Yeah, Amazon. Uh, we watched it through Amazon, which is like... It came to be... Seven forty one would tax, so it would like six ninety nine. Oh, it's not bad if you want to rent it now. Or May 9th is right around the corner, so yeah, you guys got you like another uh, two and a half weeks or something like that. So if you can if you can wait after our tantalizing review of the void to May 9th to get it, get it. And you want your hard copy, get it. It really is a good film if you are a lover of the old school practical 80 effect, yes. horror effects from the 80s and 90s. This is a film for you. Yes. If you're into the newer CGI blood and gore, Stay away from this me. is not going to be a movie for you. If you're but like I me, think that's why. <clears throat> Go ahead, Paul. You like say, you? And if you're like me, that part deaf, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, if you have, you're in trouble, don't get it, unfortunately. 
Because no subtitles. Yeah, no subtitles. Which sucks. Or no bueno. Which is bobo. No bueno. Senor or senorita. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, if you, or if you just want to risk it and get it. Then get it. Get it. I mean. I mean, it doesn't. It's still something cool to have a collection. I mean, maybe one day I will give it, like, I don't want to say give in because I probably will, but I think one day I will eventually add it to my collection, but right now I'm going to definitely wait. Well, I hope that, you know, down the line they do add subtitles. Maybe they'll realize a mistake and add the subtitles. I can only hope. Well, see, that's... You, Paul, and anyone else. See, that's the problem, though. I've taken a look at the images for, like, the Blu-ray copy. I haven't seen standard DVD yet, so I can't really say too much of that, but for Blu-ray, on the back of what it showed for DVD, what it comes with DVD, it comes with a lot of exclusive uh, Blu-ray, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that the regular DVD isn't going to have. So that's another score for Blu-ray copy. Um, Otherwise, it doesn't mention anything about having subtitles. So I would like lame, but I do not know what the standard DVD is going to bring us, so I can't I can't judge that one yet either. Well, hopefully they'll put subtitles on the standard one of them at least. Lord, one would be all right. Just give give them one of them, give one of the other. Give subtitles. them subtitles. Damn it! <laughs> but uh, that that is probably the, my biggest main downfall. As you said, Bob, there's no subtitles. The ending was kind of Bleh. odd. Yeah. Bleh. Bleh. Um, I mean, like you and just said, I mean, give the movie a little more time for character development. I mean, if that's what you're going for, is to just throw us in with these characters we have no idea who they are and what's going on. Great, but Still, like the father and son, I'd like to know a little more about them and what happened to their family. Yeah. Which caused them to be like this. Or what caused the dad to freak out and yell at the son saying, like, you should have protected them. Like, at that point, I think everybody here can vouch that we're probably like, what do you mean? Like, what happened? Like, like what's going on here? What, what What's going on? Like, I mean, did the mother, what happened to the mother and baby? Why should he have been the one to protect them? What, what was he protecting them from? Yeah, exactly. But, all in all, if I give the void one to five stars, I give it three and a half, closer to four, because it, for a newer film, the practical effects, yeah. the music, it really brought back old school horror to me, and I really appreciate that that they did that. Yeah. So I, I give it three and a half stars. And I mean, I don't want people to think either that me and Tessa are just trying to bash it. We're not really trying to bash it. We're just really going by like. You're being cynical about. It. I mean, or I'm not cynical, but you're being tr- a true critic to it. You're, you know, telling you what you don't like about it, so it's fine. I mean, you want that. You want them to know what... What their mistakes are and how to fix it. Yeah. 
Right. I think a lot of people would want that. It's not like me trying to show my, like, you know, what to say. I made a film and go, you know, I made this film and I go and show it and then everybody just doesn't say anything about it, doesn't critique it with me. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't learn from my mistakes. And then later on down the road, I'm either going to become a, you know, like a bad director or whatever, or my movies are going to suck or something. I mean, I mean, it really depends. So. But that's really all I have. So don't take, don't, don't take what what little negativity or whatever criticism they have. Because it's not really negativity, it's criticism. Take it as an improvement. Because I agree with them. Right. Because um, I agree with them. There are some things they need to do right. Which, uh, I don't think we mentioned this, but the executive producer is from The Witch. So I totally forgot about that. So, that kind of made, that was another reason why I kind of wanted to see this too, just because it, would, it had the executive producer from The Witch. So, and I love The Witch. So, that's why... I really didn't really want to, like, say anything bad about The Void, but at the same time, like, I I just I just gave up on the story, like, 45 minutes into it, because there were no subtitles. I gave up on trying to figure out what was being said. So, yeah. But, that, but that's about it for me. Hopefully, too, that the soundtrack can come out on DV, on a CD, because I would definitely purchase the soundtrack. I'll tell you that. That would be a day one purchase. I'm definitely getting the soundtrack. soundtrack was beautiful. Agreed. Tessa, do you have anything else you want to like to add? No, I'm good. Pretty much, um... We covered it all. Covered it all. Yeah. And I think I've covered everything. Well, guys, hey, well, boys and girls, I was your, (laughs) wait a minute, babe, wait a minute, babe, (laughs) (laughs) going way too fast here. I was going to say, I am your your host for the night, Christello, with Paul Doske, Tessa Baker, and I'll count to three. One, two, three. Stay Stay scary. Stay scary.